Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Lots of Love. Um, I'm really excited because today I have two very wonderful guests on the pod, and it's always a good day when someone is on, but these two individuals are great. They're roommates. They're icons. Um, I have Lydia and Rachel on the pod today. Um, if you both want to just say hi Introduce yourself, say how old you are, um, and then like, I don't know where you're from. That would be, that would kind of be applicable to like what we're going to talk about, I guess. Um, so yeah, go ahead. You want to go first? Sure, <laughs> sure. Okay. Hey, my name's Lydia. I am 25 years old um, and I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. And then what was the other thing? That was it? Yeah, that was basically it. But I'll also say, um, as many of you know, I'm a Virgo. Lydia is also a Virgo. Of course. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's really it's it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, Rachel, go ahead. Yeah, my name's Rachel. Um, I'm 23 years old, so I'm bringing the youth back to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then getting these old ladies, bringing them back to their. Oh days <laughs> no, oh my god <laughs> yeah i'm 23 i'm uh, i grew up in st louis missouri um and i'm a cancer so not a virgo um not even in the earth sign no i'm universe. straight water sign yeah <laughs> you know i love water though that's great um cancers i don't really have any i don't have any qualms with cancers honestly so yeah. i don't yeah. really, I don't. i don't know a lot about astrology i don't really identify it with it strongly I'm not a very emotional person, but that's the way. Wait, that actually, I feel like we have talked about this a little bit, but now I'm going to have to think about that more in the context of you. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll circle back on that. That's but that's everyone, that everyone that's listening, let me know what you yeah, think. Yeah, literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I am so glad to have you both on today. And um, for context for this episode, um, for everyone listening, as you all know, we are in the midst of Black History Month, and I really wanted to, you know, dedicate like an episode or and just like some time to to talking about that and talking about the Black experience. But obviously, since I myself am not Black, um, I am having both Rachel and Lydia on to kind of share like that firsthand um, account and experience and um, how their lives have been from that context. Um, and so before we jump into that, I want to share a little bit about how we all met, which we all have our master's in public health from BU. And we went through the program at the same time. Um, I don't know, wait, did you two meet in the class that we had? Or did you had you already okay, okay. We were yeah, literally we, talking about this today. Yeah, yeah. We all met in the same class like the three of us yeah, yeah. Oh, wait that's so touching so yeah. <laughs> basically what happened was um Lydia and I sat next to each other I don't even know how we ended up sitting next to each other but um in our we had another class that was like health law bioethics and human rights or something like that and we sat next to each other in that class and then it turns out like and we had that class first like calendar wise um and so it turns out when we came to the next to another class she was in that class too 
Um, and so was Rachel. And they sat next to each other, but I sat on the opposite side. There were only like 10 people in the class, so it really wasn't yeah. that easy. Um, but it was also like a human rights class. Um, honestly, I looked for I I really enjoyed I really enjoyed those Tuesday mornings. Like I just like the group. Like I just liked I feel like we had a good class. Yeah. Um, the people in that class like is what makes it because the discussion. Yeah. Good. yeah I remember yeah. And yeah. Before, I feel like we knew because I, I feel like I talked to Lydia first and then Natasha and I started talking a little bit later but I just remember like sitting across from you Natasha I would be like this girl everything she says is like we always yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you are like one of the people you that carry that class oh, I'm touched yeah no, I awesome. I appreciate that honestly I just I don't know why I just had so much to say like everything that we talked about was just like but that's like why I did the human rights certificate because I just am so like passionate about it. I feel like it relates the most to like anything happening politically, obviously, but just, I don't know. I just, it was just a vibe. It was just a vibe. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And you know, like what's interesting is we're going to get into it in this episode, but a lot of some of the stuff that we talked about, um, like, and some of the stuff that I learned about, like, both of you, like, was through these classes and, like, and and your experiences and everything, um, which is why I thought, like, you both were perfect to have on the pod, of course, and also just, like, I obviously enjoy conversing with you regardless, like, not, yeah. not yeah. to publish, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Since we're on the topic of public health, what drove you both to get your MPHs? Um, what brought you both here to Boston? That kind of thing. And if you want to go into it, like we can do it, talk about it in a separate. Um, we can talk about it separately or together if you want to talk about like your experiences and your identities um and like how that also influenced you to be like in this space yeah do you want to go oh no <laughs> the elders will go first yeah old lady goes first <laughs> <laughs> um so I guess what brought me to public health um when I was in undergrad I was like a human I was a human biology major hated that was in orgo bio everything didn't like that did not enjoy my time no so I was talking to a counselor and I remember she was talking to me about public health because I was telling her that I was really interested in like social justice topics and I didn't really get into like politics and wasn't really like conscious of that until I was in college. Um, so I feel like I learned about it that way and then I graduated in the midst of the pandemic um, and job market was not looking fierce at all. So I was like, okay, grad school, cool. So I applied to Loyola <laughs> Chicago and um, BU and I got into both. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like cities, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, and I just thought like grad school is a good way to go somewhere else, experience something different. I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. I've been there a bunch. So I had a friend from undergrad who lived in Framingham when I moved here initially and um I like had come to visit and saw BU's campus and stuff. And I just thought that would be 
a good opportunity to try something new. And then, yeah, kind of the social justice, human rights aspects of the things that I was passionate about kind of blended in with the MPH too, especially at BU. Um, but that was, that was that for me. And can you also say where you went to undergrad, just so everyone knows, like, the oh, yeah. I went to Michigan State. Mm -hmm. Michigan State. Go Spartans. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, I guess I'll go now. Yes. <laughs> but I, so I moved to Boston. I went to undergrad at BU. So I've been a terrier through <laughs> for the Ooh, past couple of years. Pride. <laughs> Love BU. Um, so I came to BU um, and I had no idea what I wanted to study. I thought something science-y. I started as a neuroscience major, which is a choice you can make. I did not know that. Um, but I didn't, I was very interested in it, but I knew from the beginning that that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I switched my major to health science, which is a very just basic um, science degree mix of the like chemistry, bio, all of that, but also you take a bunch of public health classes and I picked up a random research job just to get some more experience and try to figure out what I wanted. Um, and I ended up getting a job at this BU School of Public Health. Um, and we were researching um, gun violence, community violence, um, racial equity, and kind of place-based environmental solutions, kind of just the intersection of all of that. Um, and I really fell into it super randomly, but ended up being super interested in it. And then because of that, decided to apply to the four plus one MPH program at BU. And so I started the MPH classes in undergrad and then finished up an extra year afterwards. Um, so that was kind of my way into public health, I guess. Yeah. My way into so, Yeah. 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 One thing that is interesting is both of you kind of started doing stuff that was more in like the hard sciences um why did you when you were okay like when you were going into college like senior year of high school or 17 or you're going in you're 18 um why did you decide that you wanted to go that route versus like a social science or just like some other field basically yeah I feel like especially, I don't know if you can chime in when yes. <laughs> you, if you, uh, what your thoughts, but I feel like at least for me being that young, when you think of a future career or just what you want to do as a job, the options feel so, even though you feel like you could do whatever, the idea of like a job is so limited yeah. and I didn't, I didn't know what public health really was. No. Like my, my mom studied um, public health actually in college, but like she didn't really talk about it that much and she like it just it wasn't something I was really aware of but I feel like things like doctor lawyer mm -hmm. business person those are the kind of jobs you think of and I enjoyed science classes so I kind of just thought this is what I want to do why not um but yeah I don't know yeah I mean I had a really similar experience where like in high school you kind of are taught that like there are these very specific rigid job descriptions that you can kind of fit into and I was like, I like chemistry. I like biology. I like these classes. I guess I'll do that. Like, and that was just how it was. Um, but then, yeah, that's one of the nice things about college because you go there and you kind of just experience all of these other fields that there are. And then beyond that, I feel like the pandemic is also really what put like public mm -hmm. health into like the public space as being a job that people can do and expanded the space a lot more. Um, so yeah, while I was in high school, I was like, what classes do I like? 
I like the science one I get I guess I'll just yeah. do the science degree yeah um but I mean I went into school thinking I wanted to be like a lot more patient facing and I very quickly was swayed from that <laughs> yeah totally. no that's totally fair and I think one thing too I guess I haven't talked about like public health explicitly on the pod even though everything is public health so everything I talk about is like <laughs> real re- related um but I think that's one of the things too like people don't realize that it it does intersect with all of these different spaces and like even in our program we had people coming in who who like were in the hard sciences and then we had people like I majored in poli sci and like went to get my MPH you know what I mean so it's like everyone was a little different and we have people who are going to be working in like labs and research and who are going to be doctors and then we have people like in the policy space and we have people like you know it just it's it's a bit of everything and also is everything um but yeah I think you know I I've talked about this before on the pod but I grew up in a very like STEM focused town and like my high school is very like STEM focused so I think a lot of people kind of felt similarly to both how both of you felt where it's like oh like I'm just gonna go into like something in the hard sciences because that's that just makes sense you know um but with that being said um let's backtrack a little bit more and talk about kind of well first if you both wanted to share like your since it's relevant for this podcast episode like your ethnicities and like your background and your race and stuff like that I think that would be helpful so we can talk more about like your roots yeah yeah um well I am black that's how I identify um but both of my parents are from Ethiopia they were born there um so I guess I would also consider myself Ethiopian American or African American um but yeah slay slay And I, so my parents, my dad is white. He's um, very German. He's Jewish. Um, and then my mom is black. Um, they're both from St. Louis. So, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, have you been to Ethiopia? Yeah. I went once when I was a kid and then I went in 2019. So most recently. Okay. Okay. I think you did tell me that. Um, but yeah, no. So I think what's nice is both of you in that sense to kind of have like different experiences almost like both of you are black but then also like you know like how your parents are immigrants your parents grew up here like it's I think that it'll be interesting to kind of find like the similarities and differences between like both of your experiences growing up um but you know with that being said what is what is the earliest time you can remember like consciously thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm black or like, I am not, you know, like I, I'm quote unquote, I don't know, maybe like, not that it has to be this way, but like, I'm different from like what I see, you know, around me, like my white counterparts, my peers, um, what I see in the media, that type of thing. That is a good question. Yeah. I 
I think I got this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I grew up in St. Louis outside in like a I, suburb is the wrong word because I'm like less than a mile away from St. Louis yes. City. So, um, but the town, I mean, no, no, it's a city. It's not a town. Take it back. Um, <laughs> it was very diverse, which I think was super cool growing up. Um, but I did go to private school outside of the city I grew up in, like basically my whole life. Um, and so I went to predominantly white schools. Yeah, pretty much my whole life and very much so at BU. But um, I feel like the school that I went to for middle school and high school was in the, I went to elementary school in St. Louis City, but the school I went to middle school and high school was in, I'm pretty sure it's the richest suburb in the entire state. So Ooh. yeah, <laughs> it was that I feel like going to that school and just kind of interacting in those bubbles was definitely the one of the first times where I was like, okay, like this is, this is interesting. Like there's, this is, yeah, this is an experience. And why did you go to private school? Or like, what was the decision for, for that? Yeah. So I actually, so I guess this is an even longer conversation, but (laughs) so I was born in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. um, lived there when I was like, until I was five. Um, and my family uh, after Hurricane Katrina had to move away to St. Louis, which is where my parents were, where my parents grew up. Um, and kind of in the midst of all of that, I was supposed to actually, it's kind of an interesting story because it relates to what I do for work now, but I was supposed to start or go back to kindergarten. It's just like a couple weeks into the school year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just going to go to the public school where we were staying with my grandma. So in the city where my grandma lived, which is the same city I, um, we ended up moving to. Um, and a kid like brought a gun to school that like that first day I was supposed to go. Yeah. And so oh. like, a, parents, like a elementary school, like an yeah. elementary school. Yeah. Wow. And so That's that day wild. my mom was like, no, we're, you're absolutely not going here. And it's the same school as my parents went to. So it's, it's mm-hmm. um, like, it's, it's a great school district. Um, but one of my dad's um, like a family friend of ours worked at a private school, um, elementary school kind of nearby. And she was like, come Rachel, like, see if Rachel likes the school, come try it out, see what she thinks. And I ended up loving it. And kind of after just going to private elementary school, the next step was just to keep going to private school. So I feel like that was kind of how I ended up there. And it was a long-winded answer to get to a very simple. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I, I wanted to get into your climate <laughs> displacement um, story. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it was more than a story. Like, it's an experience, a serious experience that you had. But, um, so was this private school, was it, um, like, religiously affiliated or was it just, like, a private school? Yeah, just private school, no religious. No, okay. No, okay. no religion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, w- I just asked because in kindergarten, just for kindergarten, I went to a private school, but it was, it was Catholic, like, so yeah. yeah um shout out saint francis i guess um, <laughs> um, but, yeah. actually so interesting it's like the most it's such a, a great school it's the most like hippy dippy little school ever um big emphasis on the arts and i love them okay. yeah big, yeah big emphasis on religion actually <laughs> not at all, not at all. <laughs> great great yeah no. the opposite, <laughs> wow but that is definitely very I mean it's scary to hear that 
a kid elementary age. So like someone below like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old and younger, like had access to a gun and like brought it to a school. Yeah. In an elementary, elementary school. school. Yeah. yeah. Actually wild. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was saying it I work in oh gun God. research now, like mm -hmm. um mostly suicide prevention and just gun violence prevention research. So that was why I said it was <laughs> No, yeah. Yeah. I ended up, which is kind of a weird, um a weird mm -hmm. thing. So. I mean what's interesting is um when you said that it's it's interesting because if it seems like a lot of your experiences or your career has kind of been in gun violence work because like of like the the job that you had at BUSPH and then like you went to BUSPH and then now you work in it like it's just interesting to to see how that all transpired but um I I am definitely like I'm not really as um familiar with like where there's more prominence of I mean like uh, generally I know but like the prominence of gun violence like I don't know if like St. Louis is like kind of a space where it is more prominent um I know that like it's incredibly segregated but um yeah that's just that's really alarming it's alarming that we're still here um that was, that was 2005 this is <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. literally literally and like I don't know it's it's not to get too much into this one silo but it like also I think about the fact that like Lydia went to Michigan State and there was a shooting there like a last a year and a half a little over a year ago yeah, the anniversary was actually recent. I think it was, I think it was honestly on like a couple days before Valentine's Day, yeah. like the 12th or 13th. Yeah. 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 So like in the country, everyone is somehow touched by mm -hmm. violence in I mean, some like, sort of way. I feel like we talked about it in one of our classes and I remember saying like, at some point, everybody's going to be connected to it in some way. Yeah. Like, it, I, at least in my own experience, the shooting happened at Michigan State, and I was no longer a student there, but that obviously affected me a lot. And then there was, like, the shooting in Highland Park, Illinois, which is, like, 20 minutes from my house. Yeah. Or, yeah, the 4th of July. So, yeah, gun violence is, and just, like, violence in general is yeah. horrible. Yeah, for I know sure. It's a apparently in this in today's age it kind of is a hot take unfortunately but um yeah yeah um okay so Lydia if you want to talk a little bit about your experience like growing up and just kind of yeah like when you became cognizant of like this is who I am compared to like this is how other people are yeah so for context my dad came to the U.S. he finished his last um his senior year of high school um in the U.S. um and he stayed with a host family and then he obviously did college and stuff here too um so I remember as my sister and I got older he would tell us about like some of the experiences that he had dealing with racism in I'm literally blanking on where it was now I think it was Iowa or Idaho one of the I states not Illinois though um <laughs> 
Um, I remember him telling us about that when we definitely got older. But I think the first time I was really cognizant was when I was in school, specifically in like middle school, where I remember very vividly this kid making fun of like my hair because my mom would do it in braids all the time. Mm -hmm. Go to school like that. I remember he made fun of it one time and like that like really resonated with me and it like I remember that was when I was like oh I'm different than everybody else here and my school was pretty diverse especially like there was a really diverse immigrant population at our school and we had like a really really big school district um but I remember I was really cognizant of that then fun fact that kid got exposed when he was applying to colleges for having racist tweets and he got rejected from his college so love that wow (laughs) Wow. literally oh my god i mean shock true shock yeah Um, but i remember yeah like just even teachers i remember would make like very like weird and strange comments when i was in school like i remember like i think it was with my sister or like this band teacher also made comments to me but like he was asking us if we were like familiar with this specific kind of like music from like I think it was like from Kenya or somewhere in western Africa and it was like um not everybody (laughs) like Africa is not one country like there are multiple like and he was just like making general assumptions about like our identity and stuff um and I was coming from teachers which that was wild I like I had one of my best friends growing up we she was black and the two of us that we had it's happened a lot of times but there was one teacher we had in high school in particular that would always call us the wrong names we look absolutely nothing alike like absolutely like and in the moment I was just like haha like but looking back it's like wow that was we really really looked nothing alike so this (laughs) I feel like really you don't realize that stuff until you look back on it and you unpack it and you're like oh wow like that actually was not good at all and yeah yeah and maybe in the moment you're like I'm just trying to survive like I'm just trying to just keep it pushing but you really don't like I didn't realize how much like people making comments about my hair and stuff impacted me until I really was in college and I was unpacking all that yeah Um, yeah yeah no I so for those listening, I have an episode where I talk about growing up as a brown girl in the U.S. And I talk, I literally exactly what you both are saying. Like, I talk about that. And I just want people to understand, like, if, especially if you're white and you're listening to this, um, the the comments that people even make to you when you're five or like very small to for the rest of your life like that sticks with you and even to this day and you internalize it and like even to this day I'm I remember like have flashbacks to comments that were made and then end up like over analyzing it and 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 like processing it once again um and I think yeah especially for me as well like undergrad was when I probably reckoned with it more and just was like I was so okay with some of these comments also and like some of these like microaggressions and then and then like and then I realized how not okay they were um but and yeah I think I feel like when it comes to being black well of course from what I perceive 
um, and you both can talk more about this, is it's just like on top of those things that you discussed where like I can relate to them, there's like an even, even there's even more, you know, because of how like black people are viewed like in the US and like the history um, that black people have here. Um, it's just, we're still like reeling from the effects of that, um, which we can see like, like we're not old, like we're, well, we're old, Er than Rachel but um yeah. we're all like we're all like in our 20s like in our like early to mid 20s and these are things that like we still experience and experience like growing up you know yeah. um was there a large Ethiopian community where you lived or like did you and did you have like a large like black community or like how did how was like your culture incorporated into your life or like, was it, did you not have that outlet? So I feel like, so I have some family that live in Illinois that we would like interact with very often when we were growing up. Um, I, but I have family kind of all over the U S and like the world for the most part too. Um, and I feel like we didn't really have a strong like Ethiopian community outside of our family that we interacted with um that was just like not as prevalent I guess in our neighborhood or even like I feel like in Illinois as a whole like if we were to live in Chicago maybe things would be a little bit different but now what's been kind of interesting is since my since I've left and my sister and I have finished school my dad and just my mom in general I feel like have been a lot more involved in the Ethiopian community in Chicago and Chicagoland um in the suburbs and my dad specifically has been working with a lot of um, like Ethiopian focused organizations um, and he's like gotten really involved since I um, have like moved away. Um, so that's like been interesting to see now. And I think about what it would have been like if when I was growing up, if we were involved in those kinds of organizations and stuff. And a lot of them are kind of new because of some like political things that have changed in Ethiopia. Um, but in general, there wasn't as big of a community, whether it was at my school or just like socially beyond that outside of our family with Ethiopian people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting because I mean, it's hard too because I feel like, again, people often group, like you were saying, like Africa has a ton of countries in it. Like it's not just like one country or like one culture, it is a continent um factually um and and I I do think that there's a lot like people generally like kind of group like even if you look at college campuses like they'll have like an African student association or something like that but they won't necessarily have like an Ethiopian one or like like specific like yeah just like specifically like where you're from um yeah. and and then yeah so it's like harder it's harder to that extent as well because like obviously there's like we had like a we have like a very large we had like a very large Indian community like growing up or I had one around me I mean even now like I could find that um but of course it's just like it's in that sense that there's like a juxtaposition because it's easier for me to find that than it is for you to like find something that's like specifically Ethiopian or even like if you wanted to um 
like builds a greater community of black people. It's like you have you have black folks who've immigrated here, you have black folks who um like they've been here, their ancestors have been here, you know, like completely just like different experiences, I guess. Um and to that end, so Rachel, how was it for you in that sense too? Like how was it for you with like finding community? Um, and then also, since you are biracial, um, I'm sure that may have like presented some challenges as well, um, like whether it be like internally or in your family or like externally. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like kind of listening to Lydia talk about um, her experiences, especially because I like we're both black, but because my family like um my family is not they didn't immigrate to the united states like they're they're from um mm -hmm. like my parents are from they're from missouri they're from missouri. <laughs> <laughs> um so i feel like it's interesting that we've had such different experiences even though we both identify as black but um yeah i feel like i found i was really into sports growing up so um i was really into basketball especially and that was kind of one of the main places I um, found community and just like my teammates and people that I was interacting with there. Um, and that community is extremely diverse, at least in St. Louis. Um, but then on the other hand, I also was really involved in um, the violin. I played classical violin my whole life. And so oh, that was yeah, it's kind of, I kind of <laughs> forgot about it, even though I, I played my, basically through college, actually a little bit in college too. Mm -hmm. um, and that is an incredibly not diverse um, space to be in. Usually my brother and I were the only um, Black students that would be there um, or um, two of very few that mm -hmm. were there. Um, but that and then on top of being in just a predominantly white school, I think that came with challenges that we've kind of talked about. But um, finding community in other ways was kind of the way out of or way through that I guess if that makes sense yeah I guess they're uh -huh. hard you just start talking and <laughs> I'm like I don't know where I was I don't know where I just came to but no 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 no. you're doing you're doing so well but um so with that do you did you ever feel like so since your mom is black did she like focus a lot on um like pushing you to be in spaces where you would be able to be surrounded more like by more black people or things like that or like kind of how was that dynamic or like what were those conversations ever really had yeah I feel like we those conversations definitely were had and are had definitely more now um kind of like looking back on my childhood and just where we grew up um but where am I going with this? Sorry, my brain is, <laughs> I just short-circuited a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I mean, I can hear, how about if I ask it from this angle of like, what did those conversations look like? Or like, well, okay, two or one, what did those conversations look like? And then two, um, why do you think they're more frequent now? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like especially now, it, it's easier to look back and think of um, 
and kind of like what we were saying, when you remember certain experiences that happened in high school or elementary school, like those little like microaggressions, things like that, in the moment, you kind of just like brush them off, whatever, but they do build up. And I feel like then looking back, it's like, huh, well, that was messed up, or maybe that was um, interesting. But I do feel like one thing that my like parents and I talk about is that they often just pushed us into doing activities that we wanted to regardless mm-hmm. of who was going to be there and like kind of just doing things that interested us um and a lot of the spaces that we were in because of where we were at school were predominantly white spaces but making sure that um there were other places that we were surrounded that weren't just like that and spending time with um family and friends and again like the city we grew up in was pretty diverse so that was um just the people that we interacted with on a daily basis so it didn't feel um isolating okay okay that's really good to know um so did you feel like when you came to when you moved to Boston started at BU did you feel like like as we talked about BU is pretty white um and so did you feel that like did you did you like have that impression when you first like came here or like did it were your like your experiences or your feelings like were they different here like how did that all come together yeah no I remember when I told um like friends and family that I was going to be you they were like Boston like really it's kind of a it's kind of a racist city you're moving to and that was like the first thing everyone kept telling me mm-hmm. racism and snow those are like the two that was gonna be <laughs> cool. <laughs> the two main things and I um I kind of was like I, I brushed it off I was like no like that's because I when I was looking for college I wanted to move to a city I wanted to be in a city like I was thinking about the college and it wasn't something that was at the forefront of my mind but then when I got to BU I did kind of look around and I was like wow like this is um there's a lot of white people here <laughs> but um there were like specific um intentional things I did like when I was picking a roommate I knew I didn't want a random roommate I knew I wanted my roommate to be um a, like a person of color if mm-hmm. anything just to minimize any sort of um potential just bad situations um yeah. because often especially when you're sharing a tiny room with a stranger Mm. um but um as I went through BU and I was really involved with the running club um Mm. I was really into running um that I do remember a certain point of being involved in running club I also was in a sorority which was another interesting experience um and looking around and being like wow this is I'm pretty much only surrounded by white people all of the time Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing but that's something to notice and think about. <laughs> I mean, I think to that extent, it's like the to the point with that is like, yes, you could be surrounded by basically just white people, but it's asking, like, it's like, why is that the case? You know, because it makes like those spaces inaccept- inaccessible in some ways. Like why, you know, if you look at, Greek life for example how how diverse is it really and like why is that the case like if it's not 
if you if it is predominantly white or like honestly majority like just a lot of white people like why is that the case and like we see that in so many different facets um so that's just for anyone listening like if you don't fully get why like it like you were saying like okay like even if nothing is done to you specifically it's kind of like yeah for a person of color being in a space that is just all white people that's gonna like that's just a noticeable thing yeah. and and then you have to question like why am I here versus like where's everyone else you know um yeah and noticing like where is everybody else like why because something like the running club like I remember yeah. and obviously it wasn't it wasn't all white people but there were very few black people like mm -hmm. in general um and thinking why is this a place that people may not feel comfortable or may not feel called to especially for something like running that's such a a fun or just a, an activity that's accessible to everyone and that lots of people do um, yeah across literally across the world um and then with being there trying to make steps to make sure that on and I was involved in the e-board too so making sure that we were creating a place that felt accepting for everyone and trying to pinpoint why people maybe didn't feel that way um and I don't know yeah no that's that's totally fair um and I think this kind of leads me into like a kind of a larger question of going back to growing up as black girls in this country but even now um did representation or lack thereof influence you um you know whether it be like career wise or like with sports like Rachel like I you said that you were that you did like a lot of sports growing up and you were really involved in those spaces and just like in general like in music in shows that you watched in books that you read like how do you think that impacted you or did it ever like what feelings did you have because of like the again the representation or lack thereof yeah um I feel like kind of similarly to like when I recognized that I was black and maybe was being treated differently by my peers in like middle school and stuff was kind of when I realized like the lack of diversity in like either the things that I was watching or the places that I was going yeah um I remember there is this place called Lake Geneva in Wisconsin it's one of our favorite family places and like kind of around the time that I was in middle school and high school like I remember looking around and for the first time being like oh we are like the only black people yeah. like on this beach right now um and like actually sitting with that and like recognizing that um and I didn't even know how I felt about it at the time I just like made that recognition and just like mm -hmm. kind of moved on from it um and I feel like I, I would do the same thing with the shows that I would watch um whether it was like I was very into Gossip Girl at that time oh. and I was like oh there's like <laughs> literally no black characters at all in this show um and I feel like that kind of kind of changed now as I've gotten older where I feel like I'm definitely more intentional in like making sure that I'm supporting like black creatives and like watching shows that um are created by black people or like star a lot of black people um 
to like as a way to support them actively um because yeah things have definitely gotten better in general um but there is still a long ways to go whether it's like tv representation or like just in general um so yeah it's interesting um i love how you mentioned gossip girl because i'm thinking about how <laughs> different the um i don't know if you watched the, like the the reboot or whatever um yeah and <laughs> no fan i am <laughs> it's it's like it's interesting how all of a sudden like like yeah like there were like no black people in the original gossip girl and then in this like new gossip girl like the main characters in the show are black and there's like an influx of black people and they have like um they have like their crew is I guess a little bit more diverse in some ways in general and you know they got they have like a black lesbian they have like like it just like is a complete different thing um and I mean I'm sure that you know we all can guess as to reasons why that's the case and like why things are more like diversified now um but it's just yeah it's just interesting to see like how much that changed or how like purposefully quote unquote like woke they tried to make the new version of the show like they tried it was like yeah it was interesting and like Rachel and I, I was—I literally, exactly I was say. like, I know she's about to say it. <laughs> so Rachel and I have been watching Sex in the City. Great, mm. great show. Yes. Um, and we have been kind of moving now into the reboot and just like that. And we have literally talked about how the show is just so—it's almost like woke for the sake of being woke. Like they're just like saying these things, and like it's just. It, they're not actually having discussions about and like we're not that far into the show but it's just almost like the it's almost like the producers or the director or whoever is just like oh my gosh like here because it, these are shows like gossip girl is very similar mm -hmm. and sex and city is also similar in a way where like i feel like now they have been critiqued for not being diverse yeah so this is like they're doing a reboot to like respond to that by like shoehorning all of this in and like it's just not well done. No, and that almost yeah. that almost makes it I think that's even worse yes, than yeah. just the like lack of diversity and like yeah. I think diversity just to like check it off a list to of fill like a quota. to fill a like anything like that doesn't feel authentic in creating characters that aren't actually like likable, first of all. Or, or complex. just complex or um just any sort of relatability in any sense or have any sort of um personality or interests outside of being their identity yes I think that's even worse <laughs> yeah I so and I think too it also depends on who's writing the show who's directing the show like who's creating it because I think a lot of these shows yeah they went that route and they were like probably called out because of you know like George Floyd being murdered and like the uprising that like came from that right and just like the the way that more people were paying attention um which it shouldn't have taken that long because unfortunately George Floyd isn't the first black man to be murdered by police or just like in that sort of like just 
like because he's black and like because of like a hate crime in general um and he's he wasn't the last also unfortunately um so sometimes i just think i just think like if it like if you're still having if just because you hire or you like you know give these roles to people of color or to black people how are you if you're not changing like your view your worldview like beyond that or like I don't know your values beyond that then it's like kind of moot but then you know we have shows like Insecure right and you love Insecure, ooh, insecure. Love it. I yes <laughs> um if you haven't seen Insecure and you're listening to this you need to see Insecure watch immediately watch you it need, right now finish literally the yes <laughs> and then go watch it literally um but I think but what's beautiful about that show is like written directed everything produced by Issa Rae right yeah. and she did not hold back she wasn't trying to be palatable to like the white audience which is like why I think I mean honestly I don't even know if I know anyone who's not POC who's watched the show yeah, um I don't like I don't. if I really think about it I am not sure that I do but but that's the thing so like a show that's made so artfully and so like again like the characters were complex in that show and they all had like different lives and it was like about their lives like you know what I mean like it's yeah. it's very different but then what actually one thing that I wanted to ask was what do you think have you seen the show Blackish? Uh, I've I've seen I've, like, I've some seen of episodes. It, yeah. I have not seen the whole thing. Yeah, I've seen. Okay. Part of it. How do you? How did you feel about that show? I like. I remember watching it when it first came out. So I don't. I feel like I don't know enough to. Yeah, I don't even know if I've seen like a full episode. Now yeah. that I think about it, I mean, I feel like I've seen clips of it yeah. online, and I know that it's like the general plot and I, I think it's like a multicultural household or something like that like the grandmother lives with them yeah I don't know if she yeah. does so basically I haven't seen like every single episode but basically like um it's this black family and they are in, they're very wealthy like they live in like a nice like a really nice neighborhood like a wealthy neighborhood in um in LA and and basically like their I don't know if it which grandparent it was but like um for example so Tracy Ellis Ross which I love her she mm -hmm. plays like the mom and her she's she's um biracial actually like one of her parents is white and one of them is black but then and then the other side like um I'm forgetting the name of the the dad but he's like he yeah I don't know it's it's interesting because the way that they frame it is like the kids have grown up in this bubble of of wealth basically where they're they don't under fully understand like the struggle I guess I don't know like because like um the dad's like you know I grew up in the hood like I went through all these things and y'all don't even know like what that's like and because like there'll be some episodes where like one of the kids is like oh like I'm gonna join like the like young republicans or something and like 
Oh god. <laughs> it's interesting and then there's Gronish, which is like the spin-off of that, which Yara Shiki yeah. stars in it. That's, and that show I've that. seen actually. My mom and I used to watch that together. That, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah, like it's <laughs> no, it's it's good. I mean like like I've watched a lot of that too, but I just thought it was so interesting as well because it's like she's consistently like the theme of the show is like she's always called out for not for her privilege basically um and how she like isn't fully aware of like what other like what her black peers have had to experience or go through um so I don't know I don't know I've heard mixed opinions on it like again like I'm someone who isn't black who's like watched these shows and so but from like the black community I've heard mixed opinions on it of whether like it's kind of fair to have like a show like that or like fair representation because again it's like the black family you're showing is an exceptional quote-unquote black family um I don't know it's it's interesting but Deep breath. Yeah, I was gonna say I I know Lydia and I both recently watched um that new movie American Fiction mm-hmm. that was out and it kind of just what you are, I I haven't seen enough Blackish I think to make mm. any statement about Blackish specifically but in American Fiction they kind of the premise is or not the premise but one of the main just kind of ideas from it is that why when we have Black characters they always have to like fall into a stereotype of being like just xyz um and kind of why can't like I don't I don't know I think the idea of it being wrong to have a or calling the characters in blackish privileged which is true and having them showing just black people that are existing outside of the stereotypes and doing different sorts of activities and doing different sorts of things um and them still being black yeah and I also think it's I would be interested to see how much they acknowledge their like financial privilege yeah because I know that that's something that I myself acknowledge a lot yeah. just like as I am a black person who also has not had like a lot of financial hardships or anything from my family's yeah. perspective or anything like that and like has mm-hmm. been able to go to college and go to grad school yeah. and like that is also a privilege in and of itself even if yeah. I am black um so it would be interesting like I would be interested to see how much they discuss that and discuss the intersection of that and beyond that um I feel like I have heard like discourse like just in the periphery of (laughs) um like a blackish specifically and like another spinoff where it's like the mom I don't know what that is. Mixedish? I literally think I it's called mixed. Oh, I think there was. Oh, I know. They're, they're just like more, more, more. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. just yeah. It's just like at some point, like let's let's. Like I think have... <laughs> <laughs> let's like create more Abbott Elementary. Like that's a great. Oh, time. I love. Oh, it. love we Abbott. also love that. We love Abbott. We love that. Literally. Oh my god. Um, amazing show. Amazing show. Um, I. I think one thing that really frustrates me, we all have talked about like music in depth in general. Um, And fun fact, Rachel and I have like a 97% compatibility. Yeah, I know. Natasha's the only person that like, 
we both love SZA and like Noah Kahan. <laughs> yeah, no, so. it's like yeah, it's so funny. Like I, I just love how it's so high. I just love that. Yeah, but no. <laughs> um, one thing that really, in general, like what I what I have said before, like especially when I was talking about when I talked about music in the past, when I've talked about um, like influencers I follow, when I talk about books I read, like I try to write like consume content by like what you were saying Lydia by like people of color primarily and also like just being someone who grew up in the U.S. and again like you know even though I'm a person of color like I didn't have to you know struggle financially um like growing up or anything like that like my family didn't and they're well educated I I I love like taking I think it's important to take that responsibility of understanding like specifically the black experience in this country and of course like around the world um but and so I do the same with the music where I'm trying to like support you know like just artists like like artists of color and like black artists especially black women in the industry um and I just think it's so frustrating again with like that except exceptionalism concept of like why does a black woman have to do so much more to get maybe possibly the same recognition of like a white woman in that space and like they're making all of this like complex discography um discussing like their experiences or even just talking about literally like singing or rapping or whatever like about the same things that white women also talk about in their music but apparently that's just like less like people just don't consume that as much or like don't support it as much. Um, and I don't know, I think that, okay, this isn't, I'm not trying to be like shady or whatever, but um, so SZA for SOS, right? Rachel I, I was hoping this is where the conversation was Rachel's going. Okay. Yeah, no, I, that album, I think is absolutely stunning. Like, it's like literally, like, it was like, I just, that's a whole thing in itself. That's a great, it's a great album. Yeah. It's a fantastic. I, I think it's pure, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Like, I just don't understand, like, how anyone could think otherwise. But anyway, um, that album was, has been number one on the Billboard charts for, like, a certain amount of weeks and that's the and it's the she's the only woman in the past decade who has been number one for that long that album has been number one for that long she's the only woman who's been able to accomplish that in the in the industry across doesn't matter whether you're black white whatever she's the only woman but we're not gonna give her album of the year oh, oh let's oh, talk about let's it let's talk about it <laughs> Could be a platform to spew um anti Taylor Swift rhetoric. <laughs> I'm terrified. No, I'm just kidding. Literally, kind of. <laughs> I'm also literally here for the Grammys slander. Yeah. The Grammys is an mm. illegitimate organization. I'm saying it. I have multiple times this weekend talked about how Beyonce. Let's also talk about Beyonce, Giselle Knowles, Carter. Let's talk about her too, because she has the most grammys ever 
And even Jay-Z was like, that young lady has not won album of the year. Make that make sense. Make it make sense. <laughs> they'll really win, but they'll win the urban category and they'll win like yeah. that, the R&B category or whatever. But it's yeah. honestly foul. Like it's just, it's so ridiculous. And it's, it just, I feel like every year the Grammys are critiqued for this kind of stuff and then nothing changes. Mm-mm. And like, it's just also it's just so frustrating with just that whole situation in general because again whatever I respect Taylor Swift as an artist and like I respect her music ability and her ability to remain in the industry and I respect like some of the things that she has to say politically um I do think that even her strongest fans even her diehard Swifties say that Midnight's is not like that's that is the, yeah that's the body thing. Of yeah work. i was like people even people that are her fans recognize that so yeah. i'm like so what now and it's again like taylor swift produces and in my opinion extremely mid yeah like album. i thought it was average and like, I, no i don't I, I feel like we're gonna get killed <laughs> like, you can't you can't say things about taylor swift in this day and beyonce which you know that's <laughs> but but to the like that album like it just again she fun. was it was extraordinary and like and amazing and one like and she amazing, every genre and it still wasn't enough but taylor swift's and i'm not gonna say that her music's bad it's not bad it's not for me but it's not bad and even her most just like an album like she i mean she releases them like it's like a fucking like daily newspaper <laughs> like there, there, there's always a new one and just one of those like can still be something that like is I think exceptional again music's subjective and again like it's not even really on Taylor Swift no like, she's not. not the one who's deciding no. this these smoke 100% needs to do with the Grammys organization like it's oh, yeah making these decisions yeah. every time yeah counting out black artists and like thank god Victoria Monet like yeah one stuff like yeah like it's always crumbs with them it's crumbs when yeah. black women or just people of color in general are being literally exceptional dominating in these categories and they are given dust literally nothing and That's, i feel like yeah stuff but like no, yes isn't she did she win. won yeah but she did win it's always like a consolation prize almost like yeah. i i could get on a soapbox about the grammys i have multiple <laughs> oh, times yeah. and i am <laughs> Well, so it's like what you I have held back from I've 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 touched on this. I've held back until today because of exactly what you said, Rachel. I don't want to get killed, quote unquote. <laughs> and um but I think the thing is like it's exactly what you said, Lydia, where this wasn't that I didn't okay to be fair I don't really listen like I didn't really listen to Midnight's or whatever but like I've heard a lot of the songs on it like against my will I guess because like you can't avoid it you can't and and so the thing is like that's what I was seeing from Swifties they were saying this album was not great and so I don't understand why it won Especially when a lot of times the Grammys will go off of like popularity or whatever. And like, sure, there's more, there's more people talking about like Taylor Swift's music in, in the, in, in the mainstream, like on the timeline. Right. But like, again, who like SZA's was literally, if we look at the, like, if we look at the charts, 
if we look at the charts, like, and not to, I, it's like, I also don't want to pit women against each other. And again, it's like, it's yeah. not about them as individuals, but it's about like what this means overall. Right. Yeah, that's why I have all the smoke for the Grammys and not really any for Taylor Swift. Cause I'm just like, she's just making music and she's like, making music, she's, she's making money. And I she's making it. money and like people like her music. Yeah. And, I mean, some of her songs bob, like that's yeah. great. Like I just think so much of it is like the Grammys just giving again, like these consolation prizes of like, oh, okay, like here you go. Like here's let's give like the people of color something. And it's never like the awards of substance, whether it's Beyonce, who's been dealing with this for many years, even like I was reading something about like The Weeknd, even like his album, like, mm. and it's like, if we're not going on the charts, if we're not going on popularity, what is the metric that we are using to decide these, these awards? Yeah. Like, it's always moving the goalpost every time, whether yeah. it's in music or like, even in sports like it's just everything is moving the goalpost another you know mile or so away um and yeah just giving like these random awards which I mean any Grammy is not a random award <laughs> yeah. but like it's not it kind of seems like so like if I were an art if I had music out there I would, and I were an artist of course a Grammy is like the biggest honor but at the same time it's kind of bullshit like I I don't really think it's really that deeper is like a marker of like how talented if a hundred percent is not a marker of how talented someone is because there are just some people out there who yeah but um haven't won Grammys yeah just like there are talented actors who haven't won like Oscars yeah 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 um but yeah I just think like I'm just really here for people giving it a giving these artists a platform and, and it's like it's great that like why should Beyonce have to produce or like release like a very country song to get white people to like listen to her you know other than the basics like obviously everyone listens for sing to single ladies whatever like all those like whatever bops but like it's just like why again why is there this standard right um when she's had so many songs that like say so much more i don't know and the thing is even when she's gonna release this country album everyone's gonna try to say it's like they're gonna put it in r&b category they're already discrediting her or something like that like yeah. yeah like there was this this tweet that i saw um about like this country station i think in oklahoma or something like that yes yeah. that yes. was like somebody requested Texas Hold'em or whatever, whichever Beyonce, I think it was honestly Texas Hold'em. Yeah. And they were like, we don't play Beyonce, like this is a country station. And it's like, it's already starting. Like, I already know, like there was the drama with the CMAs and her performance with the chicks. And like people were like in the comments about like how this was not country music, that this doesn't represent us. And like- This doesn't represent this us. This doesn't represent <laughs> us. Uh, black that. people invented country girls. That's what I'm saying. Like. During Black History Month, right, and that, you're gonna say, like, literally, almost, like, most genres were, like, created by Black people, and in including and especially country, I, I think also, you know, to that end, I feel like there's just 
a lot of ignorance that people don't know that they have out there because like I feel like because I feel like okay for example like knowing that like black people invented country music like you aren't really taught that or like that isn't really covered anywhere you know um and again it's been like a lot of other things I feel like country music has almost been co-opted in a way to like perpetuate problematic things like racism yep. you know like so it's just yeah yeah <laughs> no literally because wasn't there that song I don't I'm forgetting what artist it is but there was like a song last summer where um this artist wrote something that was like incredibly racist um yeah I think I know what you're talking about I don't even know the artist though um I don't yeah. want to say like the wrong person because I don't want to like obviously like blame for someone <laughs> yeah. but, um but I yeah it was just it's just like how did it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense um beyond that since we are kind of like on the topic when we're thinking about Black History Month how did you as as Black people how do you view it or like is it important like not that it's not important but like is it do you feel like it it holds a special place for you um do you feel like it really does anything for the black community or like the way that people use it like do you feel like there's something there I don't know if I really like actually hold any sort of like personal significance to black history month i don't know if it feels like it's a because i feel like there's a month for like we make up everything's a month or a day yeah. or yeah. something like that and so i feel like more when you're in school um it that's a good opportunity for like something like, like a holiday or a month to be used to um educate people and celebrate black history and black culture but i feel like as an adult it doesn't really, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it really like resonates with me in any specific way. Mm -hmm. I do feel like it is kind of similar in like, it's a symbol of something, but like, I don't really know what we do with that. Like beyond that, like, yeah, I don't know if that really <laughs> makes sense, but like, even with like Juneteenth, like being a federal holiday, it's like, okay. Um, But like, when are we going to work on like, reparations yeah or like, yeah. like addressing no exactly like or like addressing like the systemic issues that like impact this population like that's like what I find more of value and mm -hmm. I feel like I don't want to misquote this person I think it was Malcolm X um who said something along the lines of like they're just going to give you like these like symbols that they say mean something and like not actual change that's going to like material materially mm -hmm. make your life better yeah um and like it's the same with like the blm like stuff that was going on and like that street in dc that like has black lives matter on it or like even when i was walking today um there are people that have like the signs outside of their house to say black lives matter or like yeah. like <laughs> like that picture from the super bowl 
where it has like the chiefs have you seen that or it has the uh, chiefs yeah and racism and it says end racism on top of no. it but, like this is literally america <laughs> like it just i haven't seen that it's it's so funny <laughs> um but i i feel like with black history month i think it is also what you make it like with something like juneteenth where it's like a specific day i feel like you can use that day to like actually think about things more rather than like a whole month of time yeah um and I do think like school and like when I was an RA when I was at um Michigan State and stuff like we would use this time to like learn about black history and stuff like that but it is like black history is intertwined into all American history and all world history so yeah. like why are we just focusing it on this month um, I mean who built this country like yeah like, I mean, literally like yeah, literally I mean, I would really only talk about black history during black history month and like very sparsely like throughout the semester beyond that mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i think it's like a symbol like what it means like it, do- it doesn't mean a lot to me but it very well could mean a lot to like other people yeah um but it's yeah yeah symbolic <laughs> symbolic yeah i i think I don't it's also hard because would it be appropriate to say like oh like we're celebrating like black history month like is that is it something that we're necessarily like celebrating you know what I mean or like when people say I think there I again like I don't really there there it's just been interesting because i've seen like some i have like some some black people i know like someone will wish them like quote like happy juneteenth but it's like is that really appropriate like is this something that you say like happy before or like i don't know it's people love to just again focus on they want a pat on the back they want like the good things they want to like celebrate things they don't want to like reckon with with everything yeah um, reckoning with, celebrating things is fun reckoning with the history of how black people have been treating this country is not fun yeah um, yeah and it's yeah it's much easier to dedicate a holiday or a a day or a month or whatever than actually doing the material things that black people want in this country and that are actually would celebrate black history so i think the better term is like recognize black history month like not like yeah yeah um and there are things to celebrate so like it's not i I don't think celebrate i I don't think it's offensive no i don't think it's a bad like i mean there are things to i think it's an interesting like yeah i think it's an because i think also in celebration you can also like it's not just like oh we're having a party like you can also <laughs> recognize like there's recognition in the celebration mm-hmm. I think um but yeah I don't find like describing it that way as like problematic or anything like that um but but yeah that's something like I never really thought of it's interesting yeah, yeah. I think um one thing that I will say for for those listening if and especially, I would say more so, like, well, now, because it's a whole month, but, like, especially, like, on Juneteenth, um, I recommend, like, whatever paid time off 
you get you get for that day, like redistribute that wealth um, to the black community. Um, there are tons of mutual aid funds out there. Um, help out the black people in your life. Like, I just feel like there's actions that can be taken that people um, need to think about, you know? And then also like, I'll have this linked in the description of the podcast, but um, you can sign up for um, basically like every month and every day in February, I get like an, an email about like a notable black person. Um, just, and that, and it's like every year, like it happens. So I'll send, I'll link like whatever the sign up is for that in the description of this podcast. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard because it's just like what more can we expect from like corporations and like institutions things like that especially if they're actively doing things to harm the black community honestly um like there's there's definitely a lot more that like BU could be doing for example that isn't taking place um there's more that there's tons more that like the University of Minnesota could have done and can still do um, that hasn't happened. So yeah, I don't know. But I think that the other thing too, which is like why I had you both on is also again, like uplifting black voices. And like, that's what we were talking about with like the content that we consume and like the artists we listen to and the shows we watch and stuff like that. Like, literally everything that we are digesting when you're scrolling on your phone when you're like every view every listen like every click is like helping someone um and I don't think people necessarily realize that so much um but it's like literally like playing playing like one person's song like that actually will do so much for them versus like if you're consuming content from someone who's like problematic or racist or whatever um I don't know but yeah it's it's definitely I mean that's I guess that's like the way that like boycotting works basically or like yeah I I think that like you said too with school um it definitely is way more of a focus in school and I feel like in like even growing up like K through 12 it's like when Black History Month would roll around, like that's kind of like when we would talk about things more deeply. Um, but but I just don't know if, it's always told as a story, you know, versus like, this is something that actually happened. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. Like it's, yeah. I... I think that the only way to like make that information stick with people more or like make it really resonate more is like I was saying like to talk about black history as lin as linearly as you would with like any other history class like whether you're talking about like world war one world war two like going into like those chronological aspects of history like black people made an impact at all of those major points as well so like talking about that and being intentional about talking about that um is important um but yeah 
it, it can feel like there's like nothing that can be done about some of these like systemic issues like changing them or like and I get people maybe feeling like there isn't something that they can do to like support people now um but yeah I don't know where I'm going with this but... no but I mean <laughs> I feel like just being like one thing being there for the people that are in your life like oh, yeah yeah like yeah. that's something yeah and not just in february but always always 100 um with that what as black woman as young black woman now and then also as you were growing up as black girls what it, what are things that you wish that you had or like resources that you wish that you had now that you feel like would help you or would have helped you as black woman or like the other black people in your life um or just the black community in general like what do you think is helpful and what do you wish would have been there before that's a good question that is <laughs> i think that for me it's definitely stuff to do with like hair care um mm. i feel like when i was a kid i would get my hair straightened um all the time like from when I was in elementary school like after elementary school like middle school high school like I had my hair straight all the time um and when I went to college I was like oh my mom is not here to do this for me anymore so I gotta <laughs> figure this out um so I reverted kind of back to like the braids and stuff like that that I would usually do when I was in elementary school um and I feel like there's just so much to learn when it comes to like our hair care and like my mom, um, she would like straighten her hair a lot too. And like she genu generally would like tell me like things that she had learned from her sisters and things like that. Um, but just like getting more information on like the different types of pro products that there are available and like how to use them, like that stuff changes, I feel like a lot from generation to generation. Yeah. And like the techniques and stuff change. Um, so I feel like something like that and um whether that was like seeing people like influencers or like people online that like had my hair type like I just feel like whenever I was looking for that kind of information I would always have to like seek it out very specifically mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't like as available to me as maybe it would be for somebody with like straight hair or like wavy hair yeah um, to find their products yeah so. I'll second that especially <laughs> because I love my mom. I don't know if she if I'll she'll listen, but or I'll tell her to listen. Yeah. If I send this to her, she will totally listen. I totally decide. <laughs> but she will agree with me that she's horrible at hair. She I mean her hair looks great, but she she can't do hair. Um she has mm -hmm. locks that she's like and it's because she does not like hair. And so it's a lot to maintain. It's so too. annoying. It yeah, is. I get it. Um and so yeah, figuring out how to do my hair. That's just trial and error, lots of time. Totally. Yeah. And especially playing sports, like, I kind of just was, like, hairs up all the time. <laughs> like, I don't even, like, I just can't even think about it. And I feel like, especially as I, like, got to college and got, like, out of college, like, I have, yeah, like, learned so much more. But it's just, like, you don't, you just have to figure it out. But that kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be like that. Oh, for sure. For sure. We'll blame too for that one. <laughs> my bald white dad is not going to help either. So, <laughs> no help. <laughs> Definitely. No, that makes total sense. And I feel like that's something that I hear a lot from 
um, black women and just like people in the black community in general, um, like hair can honestly be like a huge thing. Like I, like, I don't think people realize like, yeah, but um, no, that's a really, that's a really great um, thing to mention. And also if either of you have like a hair place that you've gone to here, like in Boston or in St. Louis or in Illinois or in Michigan, whatever, um, send me the links and I'll for sure list that in the podcast description as well, just in case like anyone's looking for, for that. Um, because I think that would be like really helpful and it would also be like supporting these businesses, um, too, especially during black history month. Um, but yeah, no, I, okay. We've definitely talked quite a lot and I feel like there's more that we could <laughs> discuss in general. Um, but, uh, I do want to um, end the conversation with um, firstly, thank you both for coming on here and sharing your experiences. Like I was saying, um, even before we started recording uh, it's, it's a lot to kind of share like these deeper experiences or kind of like examine like, your identities and like what what that's been like. So I really, I really do appreciate it. Um, and then secondly, I want us each to go around and say like what filled us with joy and love from this past week. Um, and I can start just so you get like the idea of that. Um, what did I even do though? I feel like <laughs> I think about it, though. <laughs> no, literally. I honestly, I saw a lot of different friends this weekend, um, some of whom like were visiting, some of whom I hadn't seen in quite a while. So I feel like I, I, I genuinely like laughed a lot and just, yeah, I feel like I really enjoyed doing that, especially, I don't know, like being social, especially when you're working full time, it's really nice, like to just to like live for like like the weekends I guess or just like the fun things um so yeah but whichever one of you is ready I'm ready because I had a crazy week this week <laughs> actually, well, I actually a horrible week because I had food poisoning oh, and Lord. so that was horrible <laughs> but the past couple days I've been feeling so much better and something that filled me with joy is like appreciating my health when you have it you know and oh for sure everyone that's listening right now like be grateful that you don't you're not violently throwing up be grateful that you don't have a sore <laughs> or you're so not true. coughing or whatever like that oh. I've I've been like on you've been practicing I've been, gratitude. I've been practicing a lot of <laughs> in the trenches earlier this week oh um, my gosh well I'm glad that you're better now um and I'm curious to know where you got it from but maybe don't say if it's a business it is a business just yeah. we'll talk about it later. we'll talk about <laughs> it but um yeah Lydia I also had a pretty crazy week I had a presentation at work that I was very nervous about but I think went well um I also had a slight injury to my neck this week <laughs> the household was not because of, yeah we were <laughs> flopping honestly um because of my old age no I was so stressed by my <laughs> that I threw out my neck so um but I think we there were a lot of people visiting this week yeah. too like a lot of Rachel's friends um 
and I think just like being included in that and like just being able to hang out with like new people meeting new pals yeah um, like spending time with like some of my friends from um BU and stuff too um it has been really like great social week yeah and today has been like there's also been time to chill which has been very nice um and then I also got back on the horse when it comes to running today and it went pretty well yeah oh my gosh um we're both running the BAA 5k in (laughs) April everyone tap in Um, (laughs) uh, but we yeah so I've been training for that and I think um the running in general has like been going really well I think um that's so good to hear (laughs) (laughs) um no that's awesome and the other thing that I asked you both to bring with you is um song suggestions so this week I'm gonna let Rachel and Lydia share their suggestions because we were talking about how hard it is to kind of like choose something. So yeah, whatever, whatever y'all want to share. Yeah, we're playing DJ this week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I would suggest um a new song by uh the woman of my heart, Beyonce, um, <laughs> called 16 Carriages. That song, I just want to say, I feel like everybody is talking about Texas Hold'em, including you, young ladies. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't hear enough noise about 16 carriages. I love 16 carriages. I it's good. I'm not saying it's not good. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's not good. It's I, I am obsessed. I can't have the Beyonce fans and the Taylor Swift fans. I, know. <laughs> um, I love that song. I've been listening to it nonstop. I love it. I just love everything about it. The production, it's so cinematic. Like it in the lyricism is so good. Like, it's just um, an amazing song. Recommend. 10 out of 10. That was a fantastic review. I know. <laughs> um, my song is a very not new song. <laughs> um, but the yeah. song is by Stevie Wonder. You did say that. Which I I listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder as a kid. It was like always playing in my house oh. growing up. My parents love Stevie Wonder. Um, and so that I heard it when I was at a I think I was it might have been at the yoga studio. I was somewhere and I heard it and I was like, I'm adding this to my um, monthly playlist. And so I've just been listening to it a lot more than I normally do. And it's a very good song. It's a great one. Yeah. It's a classic, but we might have forgotten it. So if you've forgotten it, <laughs> don't forget add the it classics. to your playlist. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. I think I've seen you listening to it on Spotify, actually. Yeah. Um, but no, that those are wonderful suggestions. Um and I will include those as well in the description. It's going to be a packed description. Also, everyone should know this by now because I say it all the time. But if I mention anything or like especially the songs or whatever else, like please look at the podcast description because I have everything listed there. Um, regardless, thank you both so much for coming on the pod. It was an honor to have you. Um, and I'm excited to like, listen to this back and I'm excited for I haven't told like any of our friends like I haven't told anyone that we're oh my god yeah we should have like we can have a live listening a watch party a watch party (laughs) literally literally so session yeah (laughs) yeah so I'm excited that people who like know all of us or like all of your friends and stuff like that your mom like anyone (laughs) all to 
to listen and I'm glad that I could just give you all like this voice and like I I want to definitely have you back again of course in the future but um regardless I'll end it off here um thanks everyone for listening I'm sending you all lots and lots of love thanks for, thanks thanks for having, having us